Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, we are here and we are queer. Uh, <laughs> There's only one queer person up in this room. <laughs> Queerish, no, yeah. Queerish, right. really? Shira, what are you? Do you want to be? Do you want to be queer, or do no, you not want to be I queer? I just want to be I need you to come out over the airwaves right now. <laughs> oh, a sound effect. You know, uh, it's uh, it's good to be here with you, Ryan. Uh, I'm so happy that Ryan's now getting into social media, TikTok I stuff. I am, like, obsessing over TikTok. I finally get it. I finally understand it. Okay. It's not going to, you know, it's it's one of those things where when people try to explain to you, like, what NFTs are and everything, yeah. and then you finally understand, and you're like, wow, my life has changed. I don't know. TikTok is me, like, waking up at 5 a.m., just laying in my bed, just scrolling. I get into a deep... That's also dangerous. So? I'm just saying. I live on the wild side. I know. It seems like it. You're a rebel. Yeah. Uh, what's happening to our brains when we're doing that? That's the question. Why are you I'm kind of worried. Are you having a midlife crisis? Why are we having such philosophical conversations at, right at the start of this beautiful show? You know, these are real things to ask. I'm not about having superficial conversations. <laughs> I want to get right into the nitty gritty of it. Well, again, get into the nitty gritty of what's coming up on today's show, ma'am. Well, you know, Supreme Court Justice Breyer has stepped down. We're going to talk a lot about his legacy and what's coming up, who could be chosen to replace his spot. That's going to be throughout the show and specifically in 15 minutes. Uh, We're also going to be talking about the future of all these COVID vaccines with all the new variants coming out. Um, That's with um, someone who's been part of actually HIV medicine as well from Kaiser Permanente. That's at 2.35 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And so much more. Also, LGBTQ Victory Institute joining us. We love having them on the show. Yeah, they're great. So stick around for that. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. As I mentioned, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer will retire, step down at the end of his term in June. The next Supreme Court term begins on October 3rd. He was nominated by President Bill Clinton in 1994. At 83 years old, he's the oldest member of the high court and a leading liberal justice. Conservatives currently hold a 6-3 to three majority on the bench, which is wild. We'll be talking more, as I mentioned, about that with Lambda Legal after this. Uh, yesterday, if you remember, we talked about Neil Young threatening to pull his music from Spotify because of their COVID-19 misinformation problem, being the home, of course, for Joe Rogan. Well, now Howard Stern is jumping in, giving his take. I don't think Neil Young is for censorship. I just think he's saying, look, I don't want to be part of this organization. 
because if my music oh, is helping God. people okay. bring people to the table, and then they're spreading hey, something guys, as rude. lethal as don't take the vaccine, <laughs> do this. Mm, that makes you know, sense. He, yeah, I, you know, I'm against any kind of censorship, really. Well, th- he has a point there. About what? Uh, he's against censorship. Some but... people need to be censored. Can we just say it? Can we just talk, talk about the elephant life, in the room? It's about life or death, which is like it's it is. beyond censorship. I, I, but that goes hand in hand sometimes with censorship. Some people do not deserve to have the mic or deserve because they're not understanding the the severity of their problematic and, thoughts and, and being amplified in ways that are just so awful and like killing people. All right, so I think that censorship is a trigger word, right? So I think that... We would have much I'm more. Not triggered. We would have much more productive conversations if we just took that word out of it because then it, it's weaponized. So, so tell right? me, tell me a more fluffier way of saying things because being fluffy has most definitely gotten us far, right? I think that using a word like there are certain rules and regulations in terms of what's ethical and moral and um, information. Can that's I get that valid. buzzer? And that if you are not putting that out there, then you should get a strike or be taken off a platform. Boo. Let's create real regulations instead of I understand. Like, I get that. But unfortunately, that's not happening. And sometimes, as we've seen in history, that you have to use big words or triggering words like censorship to get people like, the I don't know, sh- shaken to their core. So they're not out here spreading misinformation about things that are killing people who are listening to this man. That's my only thing. And so... Neil Young probably doesn't believe in censorship. You know, I, it just is one of those things where he's doing what he feels is necessary to attribute uh, to something that is not misinformation. Yep. Well, uh, finally, Florida Senate Education Committee advanced a bill that would force review procedures for instructional materials with a requirement that school district superintendents let the State Department of Education know that all teaching content aligns with state standards. This is getting really Orwellian, okay? Opponents of the bill say it would. Have been, I love that word. I know it's gonna be like my word of 2022. Please don't let it be. Please just say it this once and let it <laughs> well, be. Well, Liam. Opponents <laughs> of the bill say it would empower anti-LGBT plus parents to challenge books featuring queer characters and topics in Florida public schools. They are really trying everything right now. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yo, uh, we talked about Cardi B and that big lawsuit that she won. Well, honey, she is ringing in the new year with more cash. She's speaking out after winning more money in this big lawsuit. It is time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Cardi B uh, is filled with great happiness after winning an additional $3 million in her defamation uh, defamation case against YouTuber Tasha K. Um, here's what she said to us. Uh, in a statement to page six after almost four years of repeated libel and slander against me being able to walk away from this victorious um victorious brings me great happiness i'm literally reading what she said i know cardi b be messing up with stuff um she says i appreciate judge ray for conducting a fair and impartial trial she also expressed that she did not think she would be, uh, quote, heard or uh, vindicated after the blog spread, quote, vile, disgusting, and completely false narratives that were repeatedly and relentlessly being shared online. Uh, she ended up saying, I felt completely helpless and vulnerable. I've never taken uh, for granted the platform that my fame allows me to have, which is why for over three years, I've dedicated every resource I had to seek justice and honey it's paid off because she's taking home four million dollars 
I don't okay. know if that blogger has four million dollars, but that's not my. Increasing? Yeah, she that's got more wild. money. I'm. It's just. I'm just saying. I, that's that's what happens when you spread lies and you claim yourself to be a blogger. You got to be careful in them YouTube streets because it's gonna get you in trouble. Seems like it. Period. <laughs> that is your T report. We got more coming up next hour. Well, after this, Democrats are um, introducing new policies. We're gonna be getting into that in a bit. But Justice Stephen Breyer is stepping down. What that could mean for the future of the Supreme Court and the LGBTQ plus community. That's next. Justice Stephen Breyer announced he's retiring today. So what has he represented for the LGBTQ movement over the years? Well, here to share more is Sharon McGowan, legal director and chief strategy officer at Lambda Legal. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, how big is this news today? Was this expected right now? Well, I think that many people have been putting some pressure on Justice Breyer uh, to retire in light of the fact that we know that the Supreme Court vacancies are incredibly politically contentious. And the fact that we lost Justice Ginsburg uh, and saw her replaced with somebody who in many ways was the antithesis of her legacy because of the fact that we did not have a a like-minded president replacing her uh, really made us wonder whether or not uh, this was going to put a little bit of a fire under Justice Breyer's tush (laughs) to decide that it was time for him to to retire and ensure that somebody would be appointing his successor who was more consistent with the approach that he brought to the judicial role. Yeah, and I I just, I kind of want to piggyback off of Shira's question because I I do think, should we have any concerns over the timing of this, especially as Biden's trying to get everything else on his agenda taken care of and now he has to kind of focus on this? I don't think so. I mean, look, we can walk and chew gum at the same time and we can actually do more than just walk and chew gum. We can actually probably, you know, go shopping and uh, walk our dog and do all the things. So, you know, this is something that this Senate has uh, been ready for. And we've got a leader in Chuck Schumer who over the course of the last year has demonstrated that he understands that time is of the essence with respect to judicial nominations. And in fact, they tied uh, a, a record set by President Reagan in terms of moving lower court nominees through. So I think that uh, no one is going to be asleep at the switch and think that somehow they can just twiddle their thumbs and get around to it. This is something that um, Justice Breyer has given everyone adequate notice to be able to get the job done and make sure that there is a confirmation that happens uh, during this Senate session. Well, let's talk about how we will look at his legacy on the Supreme Court. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot to say. You know, obviously, Justice Breyer has been on the court for almost 30 years. And when you think about how the landscape has changed uh, for LGBTQ people over that period of time. Um, he was on the right side of the issue in each of the cases. You know, back from you know, the first case in, in the early 90s, where we had the Supreme Court striking down a law that Colorado passed uh, that would have made it harder for LGBTQ people to protect themselves through the political process, all the way through to the marriage equality decisions uh, that we saw in 2013 and, and 2015. Um, he was part of the majority. And in some of those cases, it was a 5-4 majority. So his vote was incredibly, incredibly important uh, to achieving all of those, those landmarks. So, uh, you know, he is someone who consistently sort of understood the guarantees of liberty and equality and justice for LGBT people. And so even though Justice Kennedy is, sort of more directly associated with many of those cases because he was the author, uh, we would not have had those decisions if Justice Breyer had not been adding his vote to the tally. 
Great. So it does seem like we, um, we, you know, we are kind of losing a really big ally for our community and and for Democrats. And um, like I said, if you're just now joining us, we're talking to Sharon McGowan from Lambda Legal. Now, moving forward, I how quickly do you think we're going to you see this? You know, the next person be picked. How long is that process possibly? Well. We saw from uh, the last months of the Trump administration that when you've got your act together, you can get stuff done uh, pretty quickly. And this is something that I think that this White House has been prepared for. And I think that the Senate uh, knows how to get the job done. So uh, I think that they will want to engage in you know, a careful and deliberate you know, decision and vetting and all that. But I suspect uh, that there is a lot of pregame work that has already been done. So I anticipate that we will be hearing names, uh, you know, in short order. It could be, you know, with a matter of week or two. Um, but I do think that there is an understanding that we cannot uh, sort of rush the process, that this is an administration that will want to make sure that we are sort of doing all of the normal things that go along with the confirmation process, making sure that all of the background information is in front of the Senate, that the hearings happen. But at the same time, I also think that there is an understanding that uh, this is this is a process that should be uh, given priority to make sure that the right person has been designated to, to take over the seat once Justice Breyer retires. Well, thank you for joining us for this uh, and for this look back and look forward. That was Sharon McGowan, Legal Director and Chief Strategy Officer at Lambda Legal. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You all take care. You too. Now, Democrats are introducing new policies around COVID to combat fatigue, but should they be focusing on other things? That next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Now, no matter what side politically you're on, one thing we can agree on is how sick we are of the pandemic. But will we ever actually get on the same page to get through this? Well, joining us is Philip Bump, national correspondent at The Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining us, Philip. Of course. So now in your article, um, you mentioned voters fatigue, which is obviously something that we're all feeling. Is it really an effective strategy for Democrats to keep fighting this? Well, I mean, I think the question basically since the outset of the pandemic has been how we deal with fatigue, right? I mean, we were all fatigued in April 2020. This is it's not a new sensation that we're all tired of this. The question, though, is how we actually get through it. And so Donald Trump, when he was president, advocated a policy of basically just ignoring the pandemic and getting everything back to normal and people get sick. And that's all sort of how it goes. Whereas Democrats, in part in response to Trump, were saying, well, actually, what we need to do is we need to make sure people wearing masks and advocate for getting vaccines and so on and so forth. So now we have this new variant, the Omicron variant, which appears to be milder, appears to be spreading, obviously, much more rapidly than have past uh, iterations of the virus. And so the question is, how does that change the calculus? And we're already seeing Democratic leaders coming forward and being like, OK, this, you know, we can rethink how we approach things like mask mandates and so on and so forth as this, as this wave passes over us. Uh, but at the same time, there still does exist that partisan divide centered on this issue of doing something versus doing nothing. Definitely. So with that said, yeah, is it is it still something that they should be pursuing or like how do you find the balance between focusing on other important things and then continuing to not lose a focus as to the reality of what we're all going through? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the fundamental question is we're still losing more than 2,000 people a day mm. with this virus, right? Yeah. And the, the majority of those based on the data, we don't really have good data yet in terms of Omicron. Omicron emerged basically the beginning of December, really starting to spread uh, about the middle of December. We don't yet have good data on the difference between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated with Omicron, but there's every reason to believe that this is disproportionately affecting people who haven't been vaccinated. And so the question is, how do we live with that moving forward? We know that there are a lot of Americans who are choosing not to be vaccinated, a lot of them having false impressions about what the vaccine does or how efficacious it is or you know, how much it actually protects them from things. We see a lot of people, you know, particularly on the political right, who are amplifying these questions because it, you know, this is they're telling people what they want to hear, and that's always a popular thing to do. Uh, and so the question is how we navigate it. And I think one of the challenges that President Biden has had is that he, I think, assumed that Americans would be quicker to embrace vaccines uh, and thereby protect themselves against the virus, that he met a lot of political resistance on that, as he has other things, and that that has proven problematic. And I don't think we have a good answer. And I think we just I think a lot of experts with whom I speak and that I read are just sort of hoping that enough people will catch this and combined with the number of people that are vaccinated, that the vac- you know, that the virus will become much less of a problem over the short term. Uh, and then we just sort of muddle through from there. Okay, so uh, we're talking with Philip Bump, a national correspondent at The Washington Post. And I really want to touch about polling here, because as we know, polling isn't always reliable. And I I wonder, how are we figuring out polling and what really Americans want if we really can't rely on it, especially in the middle of the pandemic? Yeah, so I think that one of the things we do, so I'm, I'm a strong advocate for polling. Polling, essentially, you know, I think a good way to think about it is, when you, you want to know what your friend is, you know, what do your friends want for dinner? You send them a text message and they all respond. They'll tell you what they want for dinner. That's what polling is, except it's done to hundreds of thousands of people, right? And so it's not as though this is some, like, crazy thing. People are giving their opinions and, and responses to things. And we see that polling is broadly accurate. There are absolutely cases where things are 
inaccurate. You know, we certainly have lots of examples of those, but we tend to focus on those. We tend to focus on the polls that are wrong and not the ones that are right, which is most of them. Uh, so I'll just say that in defense of polling. And that, of course, also answers your question, which is that, in my opinion, that we've seen a lot of polling, which tells us a good sense of what Americans think and what Americans believe. And yeah. one of the things you should look for when you see people who are saying, oh, I don't trust polls, oftentimes they trust the polls that they like. And so they'll point to polling or have pointed yeah. to polling in the past because it reinforces what they think. Yeah, biases there. Well, yeah, tell us more about the October polling from the Kaiser Family Foundation, what it shows about the polarity over the vaccine and political parties. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, Kaiser Family Foundation has done really terrific stuff uh, with polling. They've also done analyses that show that more than 160,000 people died preventable deaths because they weren't vaccinated. So they, you know, they do a lot of analyses like that. But one of the things they've done is they've tracked who the unvaccinated are. And so one of the things they found, and this is as of October, and it's only wide since, I'm sure, uh, that there was a three to one margin. The unvaccinated were three times as likely to be Republican as Democrat. Now, that doesn't mean most Republicans aren't vaccinated. In fact, most Republicans are vaccinated. But vaccination rates among Republicans are lower uh, than among black Americans, white Americans broadly, and far lower than among white Democrats for whom the vaccination rates are the highest. Do you think, because I, I feel like what a lot of the conversation around mental health and all the things that we, we know are, is co- being caused by the COVID fatigue, are we going to see, you know, Democrats and specifically President Biden really give us like resources to kind of, you know, push through that? Because it does feel like at the end of the day, we're still in the middle of this pandemic, but the same requirements and the same, you know, responsibilities we all are still going to have to go through. Like life is still going on no matter how we're dealing with the fatigue at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a good question. I know that the White House has put some emphasis on, uh, you know, some of the, the secondary effects of the pandemic. And I think that most people agree that the sooner we can get back to something, you know, resembling normal, which in a lot of places we have, you know, I live in the New York City area, New York City is not that much different than it used to be. I mean, you have to wear a mask when you go inside places, but that's not a huge limit in a lot of cases, right? Um, You know, that there are real implications for for schools, uh, which I think uh, in daycares, which are getting shut down, uh, you know, when kids test positive and so on and so forth. And I think those those are real stressors as well. Um, But I think there's just sort of this general, I think it'll take a while, right? I mean, I think if everything returned to normal tomorrow, 100% back to normal January 2020 style, I think we'd all have lingering effects. This has sucked. It's been a really crappy two years, right? And that's not something that immediately is just going to go away or be fixed once things return to normal or, you know, get 99% of the way to normal. And I don't know if there is a way for us to simply wave that away. Okay. Well, thank you again for being with us today. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks. That was Philip Bump, national correspondent for The Washington Post. And right now, we're going to be talking about why one woman may be looking for a new job after trying to use COVID to her advantage. Are you ready for this discussion? (laughs) That's next. Is having COVID the new (laughs) my dog ate my homework excuse? Yes. Just horrible. Immoral. I've been trying to figure out how to use it here. Or... Or for for you, and you mentioned this on the show. Yeah. Ryan is the excuse of his grandfather dying. Well, he did die. Yeah, I thought I could. Already died. I I can't. He already died, so why not? He's just died like 17 times. (laughs) That's it. How how long was the last time that you used that? When's the last time? 
Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Brian's like, how many grandfathers do you have? You're like, modern family. I come from Cheaper by the Dozen family, <laughs> where we have multiples. But, yeah, so this happened. Uh, this one TikToker revealed that she had told her boss she was at home sick with COVID, and she didn't think he'd ever find out she was actually on a night out with friends. Yeah, I thought you were faking it when you had it. That's horrible. I did. You were out for That's a month. That's really, you, like, you were really out think for I would do that? I was like, oh, yeah, she's just literally like spraying her face with sweat and making herself <laughs> look bad. And, you like, thought I was like on a vacation in Thailand? Yeah, she just left for a whole month because she really wanted to go climb Mount Everest. That would be fun. Wow. I mean, that would be fun. You did do that. Yeah, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard thing to do, too. I mean, that would be necessarily fun. But in a viral video that now has, like, almost half a million views, she explained how her and her friends were sharing clips of their night on social media, which is the dumbest thing. You know, like, if you're going to lie and tell your boss one thing, like, people, you're... This isn't like a new thing. It's like social media is new and it's only for the young people. Like everyone is on social media no, and they well, will find you. Yeah, I have to agree with you. But what she's stupid, my thing is, if you're going to do it, be smarter and I'm just put them about. in your close friend. Like put all your stuff no, in your close friend. Just don't do it at all. Put no, your phone down and no, party. I don't agree with that. If you want to put it on social media, just put it on your close friends and you only have like, you know, a certain amount of people. I only got like 26 people in my close Too friends. Too much work. When you are drunk, there's a. Vi- it's hard to no, tell between close friends and everyone. No, I'm sorry. Like clockwork. I know what I'm I'm not posting and what I am posting. And if she, my thing is she just, you know, was a little green to this. Maybe next time around she'll, she'll be able to fake COVID again and then she'll be able to succeed so, and not get caught. So here's the thing. It wasn't even her account. It was her friend's a story. So Ooh. yeah, people will get curious and also, they will do their research. We got to be real honest here. I know she lied about being like, uh, you know, sick and having COVID. That's like morally and just not okay. It's wrong. And maybe she's kind of manifesting getting COVID. But also, if someone calls off sick, why are you over there stalking them, finding out, like, what they're actually doing? If they call it off sick and they have the time, guess what? They have the time. Because sick days are not only, like, actual, like, cough sick days. They're actual, like, mental health sick days. They're, like, all these things where if somebody has the time, they can just go. There's a difference between taking, I need to take a day off, I have some personal stuff, and sick. Sick is a totally different thing. You're putting yourself out there. You've like, never faked like you were sick? No. You faked like your I just, mom broke your arm before. That was when I was five, six years old. And that's a traumatic <laughs> moment of my life that I feel very bad about. We're back for another hour of Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. And honey, let me tell you this. Ever since I started drinking coffee, it feels like there's like, honestly... All of these superpowers going through my blood veins. Like, I yeah, wonder. that's what they do. It is an addiction. I'm turning into, like, a Marvel movie. Uh-huh. And it feels incredible. And I know you've all been wondering, why does Ryan have such a pep in his step recently? I was about to say, it's you crack. took the words from my mouth. <laughs> it's the new Ryan. They're like, why is Ryan so like, nice to Shira? Shira? I don't, have I been nice to you? <laughs> yeah, you have. Oh, gross. I need to change well, I mean, that. here's the thing. It's the new Ryan until about, we get to about, what, 4.40? Oh, and I'm crashing. And crashing. Yeah. crashing. No, yeah. literally. And, it's, it happened Watch out, evil like, Ryan here. I crashed because I just didn't realize that's the other side of having coffee. Yeah, there's like, the you, crash. You come down so hard. Which, that's a drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. That's what I, I need another one. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so let's talk about what's coming up this hour. Well, uh, Justice Breyer is retiring, so we have the Victory Institute joining us to talk about who could be filling in. Yeah. That's in 15 minutes. Well, Biden keep his promise about electing, uh, getting a black woman yeah, in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, plus, one of the uh, Hugh Hefner ladies has revealed something pretty bad uh, about what happened behind the scenes at Playboy that could, I mean, I, I guess they can't. say Playboy ladies are the bunnies. <laughs> Playboy ladies, I forgot the bunnies. <laughs> You're like, you have there's ladies. <laughs> More classic way of saying it. I'm sorry I didn't want to call you a bunny. You deserve the, to be called ladies. <laughs> no. Even the bunnies, are they were cute. Yeah, hey, it, it was what it was. And it is what it is right now. I say now. For, like so far away from that whole thing. Like I don't know much about Playboy. I was I was not interested. What's strange is that, you know, I, I live with someone a bit older and he talked about how when he was younger in Chicago, when he was like probably before 10 years old, like a really young, going to the Playboy Bunny uh, hotel. And then- There was a hotel? Uh-huh, yeah, in Chicago. Like different from the house? Yep. There were hotels. It was like there a was, whole thing. There were several. There was yeah. one in Vegas at the Palms. <gasps> was there bunnies there? Yeah, yeah. there were bunnies there. Really? And there would be kids. Yeah. Like, it was not, it was a pretty, I would say, G-rated in a way. See, like, then well, how y'all gonna complain about sexual, like, you know, talking about gayness is like sexualizing children and all these things, but y'all are literally walking into Playboy yeah. hotels, probably with like half-naked women and all these things. Like, I ain't, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm the last person that's gonna sex shame, but I'm just saying, make it make sense when it comes oh. to like straight people going to uh, places that they find deemable uh, versus yeah. other things. That's why we say it's a hypocrisy. Well, that was our bunny rants today. <laughs> Not yet. We still got more on the team report coming up. Uh, let's get into some what's trending this hour. France has a new law that bans so-called conversion therapies and authorizes jail time and fines for practitioners who use a scientifically discredited practice to attempt to change the sexual orientation or gender gender identity of LGBTQ people. This is a big uh, deal because, you know, even here in the U.S., we haven't done anything about this, so maybe we should be following the other countries around the world <laughs> and uh, doing what they're doing. The legislation includes criminal penalties for people who are convicted of trying to convert LGBTQ people. Uh, the law also opens the possibility for campaigners to file civil suits on behalf of victims, which is really an advance hailed in Parliament as a breakthrough for people who hesitate or are unable to alert police themselves. So that's a really great what happened over there. Now, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced her bid for re-election in the 2022 midterms. While we've made progress, much more needs to be done to improve people's lives. Our democracy is at risk because of assaults on the truth, the assault on the U.S. Capitol, and the state-by-state assault on voting rights. This election is crucial. Nothing less is at stake than our democracy. But as we say, we don't agonize, we organize. And that is why I am running for re-election to Congress and respectfully seek your support. Okay, good luck, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, And finally, Moderna has begun dosing patients in a clinical trial testing its Omicron-specific COVID-19 vaccine booster. They announced that today. The phase two study um, is using Omicron-specific vaccines in humans. And so uh, lab data from Moderna, as well as studies released by the CDC, show the drug maker's existing booster shot still provides, though, protection against the new variant, especially against severe illness. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news? All right, let's talk Playboy bunnies. Um, uh, Hugh Hefner's widow, Crystal Hefner, is revealing some damning news about the Playboy. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Did he have, like, an official title? Or, like, like what? Like, who? 
Was he like the Playboy master? Like, that just seems awful. He was, I don't, Justin? Like, did he I have feel a, like you might know this. I mean, I what? think his t- technical title was uh, <laughs> editor-in-chief and founder of Playboy yes, magazine. That's, yeah, but I don't think, like, daddy? No one called, maybe someone behind the scenes called him daddy. Yeah, like, Justin, it seems like you would know of all play person. I don't know. Uh, the, ski, the skeevy straight thing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Wow. Come to the microphone. Wow, okay. So, all right, well... We got to talk about this news that just came out about him because Crystal, um, she actually says that she has destroyed thousands of naked photos taken on disposable cameras confirming Holly Madison's allegations that the Playboy founder kept a mountain of revenge porn. So apparently there is a a 10-part series um, on A&E called Secrets of Playboy. And um, an ex-girlfriend of Hefner, um, Holly Madison, she really talked about the dark side, the things that we didn't see of Hugh's personality. Yeah. And uh, Madison, who was with Hefner from 2001 to 2008, said that he kept all kinds of naked pictures of women uh, so he could allegedly use them as a form of blackmail. Now, the former model says she remained uh, with Hefner at the Playboy Mansion in part because she was frightened that he would publish the photos. And on Tuesday, uh, his widow, Crystal Hefner, actually confirmed Madison's account, saying that she found thousands of disposable camera photos um, that uh, Holly was talking about. She said, I immediately ripped them up and destroyed every single one of them for you and and the countless other women in them. They're gone. And Holly Madison Mm. replied saying, Thank you. Now, this is wild news. Um, I cannot believe. I mean, but is it really that shocking? The fact that he was running this type of like organization and then doing the things that he was doing behind closed doors? Probably not. No, because he was like living his life. He was like I said, being I don't who know he is. So here's the thing: is like he was very not that makes it right, but he was very open about his sexual his sexuality Clearly. how he wanted to live and that was expressed through what he created so it's not surprising it's not like he was just doing this for work it was who he is and how he wanted to live his life and so he was doing that behind the scenes too yeah so that's not that's surprising and like <sighs> i would say you kind of knew what you signed up for not to say it's right oh my god you're victim blaming okay anyway no, we got <laughs> Not to say it's the right thing, but no, I get it. It's, it was one; it was a different time, and yeah, it was also, also different like, time. yeah, it's just very uh, conflicting. And yeah, if you want to know more about this story, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com because I got more T Report coming up next hour. Okay, now after this, uh, Supreme Court Justice Breyer is retiring, but who could re- replace him and continue the Democrats' legacy in the Supreme Court? We look at that with Politico next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
As Supreme Court Justice Breyer announced he's stepping down, could it create more drama in the Capitol? I mean, that's what politics is, right? Yeah, Daniel Lipman joins us right now, a reporter for Politico. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Well, Congress is already a mess. Could this develop into something good or bad for the Democrats? Well, I I would vote that it's probably going to be a good thing for Democrats since uh, they're going to check with uh, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema and uh, other uh, important voices in the Democratic Party in the Senate uh, to make sure that uh, they can get their nominee through. And so um, as long as that person passes background checks and vetting, um, then they are likely to you know, get that Supreme Court seat. Well, what's interesting is, is Cinema and Manchin haven't really been the most cooperative. So how, how do they play into this if, if they can't even decide on one thing? How are they going to decide on this? Well, this is a more discreet thing where it's, um, you know, the Senate has an advise and consent policy, but um, this is not like a huge social spending program like Manchin and Cinema were uh, against, or at least uh, you know, we're putting up roadblocks. And so this is uh, one of the president's jobs, which is to uh, ensure that there are enough seats on the Supreme Court. And so um, I don't think they're going to nominate Bernie Sanders to be on the court or someone of his ilk. And so I think that they will, you know, play it right and it'll unify the Democratic Party, even though it's not like Democrats are getting an extra seat, but they are keeping a seat. Um, and McConnell would have probably uh, ensured that Democrats couldn't fill it next year. So could Republicans potentially try to block this at all? Um, yeah, Republicans can try, but that's they're not going to like succeed because there's no filibuster for uh, Supreme Court nominees anymore. And so uh, as long as Democrats stay tight and unified, then they will get their person through. And we're speaking with Daniel Lippman from uh, Politico. And I guess for me, when we're looking at this as a positive thing for Democrats, obviously, it's still a, a mostly going to be a Republican leaning um, Supreme Court. And so does it really change much, even though we're getting someone new there? Um, well, it, the only thing that really changes is that it is ensures Demo- uh, liberals and Democrats don't go further uh, and make the court even more conservative, where where you know, they would pass things that would make the country unrecognizable in, in some instances. And so uh, you're already going to see probably Roe v. Wade get trimmed down a lot uh, later this year. And so, um, and Breyer was a very, you know, pretty old justice. He's the oldest on the court. Um, and so this gives Biden a chance to uh, put a stamp on uh, his stamp on the court and, uh, put, and put the first black woman uh, on mm-hmm. the court, which is, um, would be wonderful. historic. Yeah, I mean, quite historic. Now, I, you know, there's a lot of conversations when you're talking about the Supreme Court about adding like a term limit. Do you think this is going to be something that we see um, being bought up with this new person coming in? I don't think so, because that's not a, um, you know, things would have to really go wrong for there to be term limits. Um, it just doesn't seem, you don't want to have to uh, worry about losing your seat or, you know, trying to jam pack everything through you want um justices should not have agendas uh, although most are conservative or liberal and so they they do what they want but you don't want to have to kind of have people think short term 
I don't know. That sounds very dated, if I'm being quite honest. What? Just because it, if, it, it does seem like we need a lifetime appointment just feels like it's affecting generations that these people are not even going to be a part of, no shade. And like the reason why we're talking about Roe Ro, Ro, Ro versus Wade right now in a way is because I feel like there's a lot of old traditionalist conservatives who are thinking about this in a way that is just completely opposite of like us moving forward as a country. And so I, I do think the conversations about adding a time limit to to the court could be really interesting and, and should be Why actually you go. You should, you should start making a run for Congress. And and there, is no, there is no money you know? in politics. I, I make oh. more money here probably than being up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more making sure there's equal, um, you know, equality in terms of position. But yeah. then at the same time, then it might be just always a stalemate. No, I think it's it's that's a reasonable debate. Um, I think the other thing Democrats were, or at least some Democrats wanted, was to add justice to the Supreme Court because Democrats don't feel like it was fair for McConnell to hold up Merrick Garland for them to rush through, uh, you know, just Ginsburg's replacement, Amy Coney Barrett, and so you know, take Roe v. Wade. The majority of the country is in favor of, um you know, being pro-choice and having abortion rights. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they don't want partial birth abortion, but uh, they're, you know, it's a lot of these Supreme Court conservative justices are going to try to, like, roll back rights that many Americans have expected that they would not, you know, disappear. And so the, the court is not responding to public opinion because public opinion, the majority of Americans are in favor uh, of, you know, being pro-choice. Okay, well, uh, thank you again for joining us. That was Daniel Lippman, reporter for Politico. Have a great day. Thank you. Well, yep. now that we've talked about all of that, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Will Biden keep his promise on getting a queer black woman in the seat? Well, the Victory Fund Institute is joining us next. During his campaign, President Biden promised on committing to a black woman as the next person to the Supreme Court. Number one, I committed that if I'm elected president, have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, Will be a, I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. It's required that they have representation now. It's long overdue. But will he keep that promise, and how likely would it be mm. to nominate an LGBTQ person? Well, joining us is Ruben Gonzalez, the executive director of the LGBTQ Victory Institute. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Ryan and Sarah. It's great to be with you as always. I know. It's been a minute. Is this the first in the new it year? It has been it a minute. Is the first. It is wow. the first in the new year, but I always love chatting with you too, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, this seems like a really great occasion to have you. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts about this? Especially, I know the uh, the Victory Institute is really calling on Biden to nominate an LGBTQ person. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this. So many thoughts, and this is at a really exciting time. You know, one of the things that Victory is pushing and that we're always here to remind people is that LGBTQ people of color exist. This isn't an either-or question. There doesn't have to be a choice between nominating a black woman or nominating a, an LGBTQ person. There are qualified LGBTQ black women who can serve on the Supreme Court right now. And so we're here to remind folks that, that we exist, that there's folks that live in the intersections. And Victory is excited to be able to share some of those folks uh, black LGBTQ women who are serving on uh, courts across the country who are poised to be able to serve on the Supreme Court. And so um, I, I think it's a really exciting time. And I believe President Biden when he says that he will nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. And it's well past mm -hmm. time that we have representation uh, of black women on the Supreme Court. Yeah. How does that process work, though? So once you all, as the Victory Institute, 
heard this announcement? Are you like scrambling to get in touch with the administration, put out your announcement? Well, you know, we have a fantastic network of LGBTQ elected and appointed officials across the country. We have our map at Out for America, which we talked about before. If you look at our Out for America map, you will see that there is a woman, Helen Whitener, who serves on the Supreme Court for Washington State right now. She's a black LGBTQ woman. She's also from uh, Trinidad and Tobago originally. So she has a very uh, interesting immigrant experience as well. Uh, we think somebody like her with her perspective would be a rich addition to the Supreme Court. So we were able to find someone like a Helen Whitener and be able to say, hey, as we're sending around shortlists, and you'll see across the media today, uh, shortlists with names of qualified black women from across the country who are ready to serve. We want to make sure that the administration is also thinking about qualified LGBTQ black women like a Helen Whitener as well. Yeah. And, you know, there has been obviously some uh, some a lack of trust, especially when it comes to Biden's relationship with black voters. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, he promised a lot during his campaign when it came to the voting rights and and things that we just haven't really seen him do. Do you think, you know, that the one him people asking if he's going to keep his promise, if they're kind of questioning that, do you think it's valid, especially with the actions that we've seen when it comes to him not really, you know, living up to his expectations when it comes to what black voters were expecting from him? Well, I I think that there is not a way to get around this promise. It was a very clear promise made uh, to the community about nominating a black woman. And there is a big opportunity here for him to fulfill that promise. You know, when we've seen other representatives from our community, other historic first be nominated to the Supreme Court, there's a real enthusiasm um, built around that nominee. Uh, when Justice Sonia Sotomayor was nominated, uh, the Latina community rallied around her, was so excited. And I expect that we'll feel the same amount of excitement when he nominates a black woman to the Supreme Court. A, a historic first, long overdue, and I expect that there will be a lot of excitement. And I hope that will be the first step in him turning around some of this distrust with the black community. And this will be a first step in many that will help us get some excitement around um, around this, uh, this presidency. Well, we have um, Ruben Gonzalez from the Victory Institute with us right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a new year for you all. I know a lot is happening. What are you focusing on right now? Which, Midterms. Yeah, that's coming up. Well, on the Victory Fund, we have endorsed more candidates than ever before in our history. Um, Every year, there are more LGBTQ people of color. There's more non-binary folks. There's more queer folks. There's more pansexual folks. Um, We have a slate of people that look like America. We have more statewide candidates running than ever before. We have an LGBTQ person running for governor in Oregon and in Massachusetts. Uh, There's statewide people running. uh, Senator uh, Malcolm Kenyatta, who's a representative, in Pennsylvania is running to the U.S. Senate. I love uh, we him. also have statewide offices. So There's so Thank many you. exciting people that are running, uh, queer people, people of color that I think we can get really excited about. You know, everyone go onto the Victory Fund website. They need your support. Mm-hmm. We can actually change the number of members of Congress that we have from the LGBTQ community, folks that look like us and folks that um, really reflect who we are. And they need your support right now. Well, we can always count on you to to really break down everything that we need to know and tell everyone where they can find out more information, of course, with the Victory Institute. You can go to LGBTQ Victory Institute. Uh, VictoryInstitute.org is our website. Also, check out our Out for America map at OutForAmerica.org and see all of the incredible people. We also hit a huge milestone, Sharon Ryan, I want to alert you to. 
We broke a thousand elected officials across the country yes! when we launched them out four years yes. ago. We had just around 500. We now have over a thousand people wow. serving in public leadership. Amazing. So it's a real big milestone for our community. We still need a lot more people to run and win. Um, but it's a, it's a huge milestone. We want to celebrate that. Well, congratulations. All of those on Out for America. Congratulations so for your work because y'all are working over mm-hmm. there. We really appreciate. So anytime we can help amplify, please come back. That was Ruben Gonzalez, the executive director of the LGBTQ Victory Institute. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. All right. What's coming up next, Shira? Is Minnie Mouse following in the M&M's woke footpath? Oh, we God. discussed the latest announcement. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Next. Sorry if that's annoying to parents who have to listen to this on repeat, but you know, it's relevant to our topic today. Or to people who aren't parents and who hate kids. Me. (laughs) There you go. I don't hate kids. Um, Minnie Mouse. (laughs) Minnie Mouse is going to have a fashion makeover. Or you could say she's reclaiming her power with this new Stella McCartney power suit. So, of course, we know she wears this her trademark polka dot dress. Well, she's going to be um, changing that up for a pair of pants for the first time this year. Disneyland Paris announced yesterday that Minnie will wear trousers designed by McCartney for the theme park's upcoming 30th anniversary celebration. And the party will also launch in March for Women's History Month, which inspired the new look. Uh, so they they shared a little sneak peek on their Twitter accounts. But I'm sure it's had a lot of people you know, uh, not happy because we've already had the Eminem comments. A lot of the, right, the conservatives think we're all, you know, media and the snowflakes are going crazy, changing everything right now, making everything woke. So is this another one of, is this another one of those things? I don't think there's anything woke about this. Just imagine wearing a dress in the middle of winter. Like, it's winter. We got seasons. Y'all act like Mickey and Minnie Mouse don't have, like, experience fall, summer, or winter. It's winter, and they got, she got to have her legs all out and stuff. Tell me about now, it. Now, if they would have made, you know, you know, Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse, you know, like, I, I don't know, like a, a more universal color of some, of some sorts. I don't know. Like, if they tried to make her black or something all of a sudden, maybe that's woke. But just adding, putting her in pants, like, that's not that serious. But isn't right? Minnie Mouse black? She is black. Oh, no, she's white. Okay, she has black ears. Are you colorblind? She's, she's a black mouse, isn't she? Yeah, because I think this face, part is, is, clear. is like part of the... Okay, yeah, this is interesting. This is another conversation to have. This I, mean, I, this I didn't even want to bring this conversation. <laughs> I just was like... Tweet this I out. Even, is Minnie Mouse black or no, white? No, I don't think we should. I don't think we should start the race wars over Minnie and Minnie you're Mouse. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's worth it. Let's bring down the conversation. I just was saying that, you know, it's nice to see the outfit's cute. I approve of it. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think this is really a woke thing. It's like, yeah, girl, she's just in some pants. Get over and it. And there are still little, uh, what's called, bows 
She still has her signature bow. She hasn't changed that much. She yeah. still has her long eyelashes. And I don't think the children who are paying attention, unless you know, unless you're a a, a, a Disney adult, which you're already there weird. are a lot of those. Those are so. I mean, I've said it here live. I have no problem. Disney adults are weird. They have they strong opinions humans. of what they don't they want are to change. Weird they, humans. They want it to stay the same as it always was. Here's the thing. It's, get over it. Yeah, get over it. There's bigger fish to fry. Uh, bigger mouse to... No, there's not a joke there. But... <laughs> I mean, there is a joke there, but it could get dark. Yes. You know, bigger. So, you know, the bigger mouse to trap. Exactly. But that's like but, killing the mouse. So she's going to go back to the dress. The thing is with this, let people have a choice. Just like the M&Ms. If I want to wear a pump, I'll wear a pump. If I want to wear a flat, I want to wear a flat. Stop. Making me have to choose between one or the other. No one, are you? I dr- want versatility. Did you get a part-time job at Mickey Mouse, like at Disney World that I don't know about? Like, what are you talking about? Are they making you choose the outfit? Well, that's the thing. What if, like, you should be able to choose the outfit? No, it's her closet. Yeah, Stay out meaning, of her closet. If someone is playing Mickey. Uh, Minnie Mouse is not a real thing. It's played by a lot of different people. You know, as you know, they go in the suit. I think, I'm sorry for any children that just got their lives ruined. That's what I'm saying. How like Sheer just revealed that Santa wasn't real or something. It's like this is awful. So I, I applaud them. I think this is a very cute idea, including in Paris. Paris is the capital of fashion. Yeah, it's instead of Emily in Paris, it's Minnie in Paris. Well, welcome back to the show and stick around for more music right here on Channel Q. This hour, we are getting into a lot of things. Cloning your influencer pets. Could this be a new trend? That's yeah, You know, I have some thoughts about cloning. Yeah. It freaks me out. That's Does it really? In 30 minutes. Oh. Uh, plus, an actor caught someone shoplifting and shared it with the world. That is in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Pope Francis urged parents today not to condemn their children if they are gay in his latest gesture of outreach to the LGBTQ community, citing parents who have to cope with children who are sick, imprisoned, or who get killed in car accidents. Francis added this, quote, parents who see that their children have different sexual orientations, how they manage that and accompany their children, not hide behind a condemning attitude. So uh, that was his response. How do we feel about that? (laughs) It's something, but yeah. <laughs> he always like says it in this weird within this weird context. I'm so tired of talking about the Pope. He's like the most annoying Pope there ever was. And Popes are pretty annoying. That's my hot take. Thank you. You're welcome. Sorry for all the Popes listening. I mean, I uh, you think we're their choice to listen to? Turn on Channel Q. Hey, what about all those popes that came together? Uh, to get more equality within the church recently. Not Pope's, how, but it was... And uh, how did that work out? They came... They have a change.org. It was a few hundred, I think. Yeah, they're... You mean priests? Priest. I don't think there could be multiple Sorry, popes. I'm a Jew. Sorry, I'm a Jew. Like, pope and one Pope Emeritus. Like, what? Unless they're doing Give some priests divine. a chance. She thinks there's like, oh, it's just like Santa Claus as you see on the street. Take a change. <laughs> a mall Santa. Maybe we need to change up the model. Now, this is very surprising. Spotify uh, said that it has agreed to remove Neil Young's music after the singer-songwriter said he wouldn't share the platform with podcaster Joe Rogan, who's been criticized for spreading vaccine information and misinformation. Uh, He wrote, they can have Rogan or Young, not both. He said this in an open letter to his manager and record label that was posted to his Neil Young Archives website on Monday. And... 
yeah, this is Spotify's response very quickly to pull his music. I don't know. It seems a bit messy. I feel like they could have maybe, and maybe they did this. They got in touch behind the scenes. But like to happen, for it to happen this quickly really shows their stance around this, right? I mean, it, it, it is an actual, honestly, it's a slap in the face to not just Neil Young, but it's a slap in the face to every kind of user that signs up and is using that platform because they're saying that they're not going to lose out any money on this band. They're, this is a this is a business from their eyes, and they don't care, which means, I don't know if the higher-ups are like fanboys or number one stands of Joe Rogan's like fan club, but there is something happening. It's like they are in the secret club, and whatever Joe Rogan wants, Joe Rogan gets, and it's really... It's really sad. I don't know. This really changed some stuff for me, and I yeah. really like Spotify, but I may be ending my membership going to, oh. o- to Apple Music, which sucks. <laughs> so everything pretty much sucks. Maybe there needs to be something new. But, you know, it does remind oh, me. I Tidal. I mean, I, do, I only have Tidal as like a Beyonce savings account just in case Beyonce but is, decides to is everyone's something. Is everyone's music on there, though? Yes, girl. Everyone like so it's like like it, I mean I don't Spotify? know if they're specifically looking for the Neil Young crowd, but, but you know maybe, probably maybe Neil Young will go there. So here's the thing: Spotify's always taken a very hard stance on anything. Like if you talk about when they just launched, they uh, you know artists weren't monetizing as much as they were on other platforms, right? And they said this is just who we are and how we're doing it. And guess what? They want they won that right they prevailed and then artists said well they're now this relevant it doesn't even matter like i'm gonna jump there right so i feel like they're taking a similar stance thinking we've been there done that we've had these issues with artists before but what i think they're not realizing and i i believe you would agree is that this is a bit different right you you need to not be so uh i would say specific on your stance but also attached to your stance right rigid about it because but people this are gonna, is something different but people are going to be rigid about capitalism it fuels their banks and they got to pay out Joe Rogan and so this is a money decision well, yeah, I mean, this is not a they, they're not running a, a morality business over there clearly um, which you know says something bigger when it comes in terms of the conversation but I'm not shocked about this right. it's unfortunate well more in the next hour what's training this hour I want to get into what's happening with Wordle you know that game you love yeah, on Twitter. You got some news. Time. That's next hour. First, let's get into some tea right now. What's going on? Well, another day, another moment that Michael Rappaport is being annoying. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, yeah, New York actor and comedian Michael Rappaport is no longer flipping out about Real Housewives. Um, he's actually flipped. He's flipping out uh, in a social media post that shows an alleged shoplifter brazenly walking out of a Manhattan Rite Aid. Here is the moment. Yo, I'm looking at this sh- this dude, small yo, that, this dude is, I can't believe I'm seeing this shit. This motherfucker, yo, this fucking guy just filled his two bags up with everything in Rite Aid right here on 80th and 1st Avenue. He's walking down the street like shit is Gucci. Look at me in my face like what's 
good. He's. I was watching him the whole time. Oh, my God. Please. Wow. Why? Um, the actor repeated uh, the Christmas shopping comment and tagged Mayor Eric Adams' account in a caption for the video, which has uh, had more than 132,000 views. Um, an NYPD spokesperson said there was no report on file for the incident as of Tuesday night. A right aid spokesperson didn't immediately respond to an email from the Post. Um, now, the video is the latest making um, the rounds of social media that does show the purported shoplifters making both thefts at retail and grocery stores that critics blame on soft approaches to prosecutions that have emboldened people to commit low-level crimes. Uh, reported stores losses uh, on the, are on the rise with $719,000 in losses per $1 billion in sales in 2020, according to the National Retail Federation. So, yes, there's a problem here. I think, you know... I'm just a little annoyed by Matt Michael of all times. He's just like that annoying, like little like Matt that just won't stop talking. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it is wild to see this. Um, but that is your T report. If you want to see the video, head over to weirdchannelq.com, and I got more T report coming up next hour. So we're talking about the future of vaccines with all these variants. What it could look like right after this. If COVID keeps mutating, how realistic is it to have a vaccine that keeps up? Well, joining us right now is Dr. Laura Rush from uh, Family Medicine and HIV Medicine at Kaiser Permanente at Palm Springs. Thanks for being here again. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So let's just do a basic context right now. Like, where do we currently stand with the vaccine's effectiveness with the latest variants? So with the Omicron, we haven't seen too much effectiveness, which is why we're seeing so many cases right now. It is helping keep people from going into the hospital, and for that's sure. that's a mini-effective, by the way, measure. Let the expert talk. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge bonus that it's keeping people from going into the hospital, keeping people out of the ICUs, keeping people from dying. So it's helpful that way, but it's not really doing much to mitigate the spread. So right now, it, it, the problem is, you know, a lot of epidemiologists and doctors say we're kind of playing like whack-a-mole, keep coming up with, you know, vaccines that prevent the most latest or the, the most current uh, variant that's out there. So what we're looking to do now is try to find what we call a pan vaccine, which would cover um, all the different variants from a specific family of viruses, such as the coronavirus family. Yeah, and it's so interesting because knowing that and, and knowing how this thing mutates and how we're trying to keep up with it, it's like I if I was a parent right now thinking about kids and even hearing Dr. Fauci saying that we have to be real, realistic about this in the sense of we probably don't have a, a you know a hold on COVID as we kind of think, especially when it comes to kids being vaccin- vaccinated. What do you as parents are coming into you, what are you hearing from them right now when it comes to their worries of us trying to, to keep up with all these mutations? You know, well, that's the issue is that we really, we can't really so much keep up with the mutations because we're constantly chasing them. So what we have to learn to do, and, and Fauci has said this, a lot of experts have said it, is we're going to have to learn to start to live with coronavirus, with, with COVID, much like the way we've learned to live with influenza with the flu. Hopefully over time, this will be less of a serious virus. People will still become infected, but it's going to have to be a morbidity and mortality or or death rate and sickness rate that we find acceptable, such as we do with the flu. So it's not going to be going away. We're just going to have to learn to deal with it over time. Hopefully with, you know, Omicron descending right now, we're starting to see fewer cases of that 
that, you know, we are going to have waves. It's just a question of when that's going to happen or if it's going to happen anytime soon. So it's it's getting used to it. This is something we're going to be living with for a while. Yeah, signs and some names, 46 coronaviruses so far. Wow. I mean, yeah, I feel like at a certain point, it, it does become just normalized and it's just a thing that's part of our world. Although I do feel like new headlines popping up of other things around the world. Like, I don't know if you see like, other diseases, viruses, you get scared. You have a knee-jerk reaction more than we did in the past, right? Well, I think we're all hyper-aware of virology and epidemiology at this point, which maybe is a good thing and a bad thing. So with with everybody on Google looking for the next variant and and worrying about it, it does cause a lot of anxiety and stress for people. Okay, well, that's why we all got to get therapy, because we got to get that support. (laughs) That's something that does not go away. Maybe if you're against vaccine, don't be against therapy. And don't be against vaccines. Okay. Dr. Laura Rush uh, from the Family Medicine and HIV Medicine at Kaiser Permanente in Palm Springs. Thank you so much. You bet. You guys have a great day and stay safe out there. Thanks. Appreciate it. Next up, how popular pet influencers like Grumpy Cat can make an influencer comeback despite the fact that they are dead. Uh, What? Well, we'll tell you how next. Okay, so let's talk about the world of petfluencers. Um, yeah, I can't believe that is a thing, but yes. Um, it's thriving on social media apps, leaving people to basically think that um, they should clone their pets to keep, you know, their pet po- profiles relevant even after the animal passes away. Um, this is something I would have never in a million years thought about. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what evil genius is doing that. But who wants a zombie dog? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the question is, you have uh, a pet that has made a ton of money for you that's become a brand. Right. It's sad for you as the owner, but it's also sad for all the fans. And I think there's a way to keep going i mean do you tell fans do you like just just act yeah, like yeah i think it's are... really weird and inauthentic to you know just say oh yeah this person or this thing is still alive well, it's kind of like this animal you swap out a, you know a fish like if you get a pet for like a, a pet fish for like a kid and that you know the fish dies and then you like swap it out for the same fish by accident and you don't use it as a moment to talk about death with your child the truth and reality well, i'm not a, i'm not a parent so i you know oh, I dustin what did I you kill, i killed my fish when i had it oh wow well, <laughs> i did that's a whole other... i smushed it uh, oh uh, i didn't that mean says to a lot. I didn't... no i didn't know it was underneath the castle why would you be underneath the castle and that was your hiding place <laughs> And I was looking for it, and I smashed it. Oh, that's sad. That's kind of traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. Oh, we were going to ask you, sorry, producer Jess, I was going to ask your parenting uh, advice. Yeah, but, I mean. But we Justin. already had a cat die, but, I mean, he's too young to really understand right now. But when a time comes and he has another pet, it's, you know, it's exactly. a circle of life. It's a process. It's, that's what I'm saying. I feel like you would definitely get call- called out. There'd be some sort of conspiracy movement, like a, a vice reveal about how this brand that's made so much money off of this animal, if they find out that the animal's been dead for years and they've been either just posting old pictures or using another animal, they'd get called out. It would look really, there's a bit of an unethical side to this, right? Uh, And so- I mean, yeah, if you're PETA. (laughs) Like, I feel like the only people that would have an issue with this is PETA. Yeah, PETA would not like this. One, they don't even like pets as influencers or like pet, pets on Instagram. Even though I, someone would argue that the pets that they use are the animals that they use in their campaigns. They're making into famous animals. Uh, that is an interesting debate. This is where I think Ryan should have just was definitely on the debate club. <laughs> I'm like, you I'm know what? You're there. You said something there. I'm just saying. But, so... I think it's strange. This is where social media kind of goes awry for me, and it gets a bit weird. Would you ever clone yourself? 
Okay, wait, let me, I'll, I'll get to that. Cause I, but what I'm saying, this is where it gets unhealthy, where we're so attached to these things we've created that it's like, okay, we don't know what to do if it ends. And that's just the nature of life. But we're in this like weird bubble of social media where we can't even connect that to real life and like what we actually need to do. Okay. Right? So we yeah. just want to continue something forever. And that's just not reality. That's a valid, Get over it. That's a valid point if you're Oprah on Super Soul Sunday. I think that and that's really a Super Soul Sunday mo- uh, moment. Um, or just, yeah, throw in another animal that looks like the person, the person, know. the animal, and then start a, don't start a new account, but just continue the legacy. Pass the baton on. I don't know. You know, I just recently had a video go viral with Coco in, and I'm thinking <laughs> about it. I'm contemplating some things. Oh, so. wait, just in case, if, well, something happens, not just in case, it's going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and then, what do you do? I mean, yeah, you just got to keep the circle. That's the circle of life. If someone invents like pet cloning in the way that it can like happen quickly, like I can do it in my um in my living room in the corner, like I can just plug her in. Yeah, something a bit more um easy. Yeah, right? like, like if it's what? like a, a like a drive-through cloning animal process, then I yeah, I'm totally down to do it because it's easy, it's quick and The question why is not? how many do you pump out, right? How many do I'm you I always have 3 or 4 in the in the That's like just too eggs much. just waiting. You're gonna be there. like okay, like instead of a cat lady, you're going to be like a, a, a dog clone lady. Yeah, because who did this? Didn't Barbara Streisand? There was, was someone cloned? that did it because, you know, you love your dog so much. But at the same time, it goes back to, I would say, go to a therapist and talk about why you're so obsessed with getting something. you go to a the therapist? Exact same thing. off a money opportunity. <laughs> exactly. A lot of greed happening. Going back to what I cloned myself, we talked about this in the break, you know, leading up to talking about the story. There... There's the evil side to it where it's like cloning yourself, what that means. Then there's the, you know, you could make your organs, clone your organs so that if you do get into um, trouble or that something happens to you, that you have that on the ready. But then, yeah, there is a fine line. Like, what are the rules and regulations around this? Right. Do we need another Elon Musk? That's, those are big (laughs) questions. But I don't know how evil it could get with animals. Like, how evil how evil can it get with cloning your animals, even though I'm not about well, it? I mean, organ harvesting is pretty dark. <laughs> so even if you're thinking about it, yeah, it's like, it's the, the pretty dark. The big question with this is, like, it, it, is it really your pet? Like, even though it's, you know, de- genetically true. the same, they don't have the same memories. They don't have the same relationship. Yeah, so you can call it a different so pet. It, so you could continue to traumatize different. it, and the new one wouldn't know. Yeah, wouldn't even realize. <laughs> wouldn't know the things that happen, the makes mistakes it even you made. More ethical to do, Justin, <laughs> as a dog parent, yeah. an animal parent. Yeah, I mean, it really does start to, I mean, add an extra layer there. And for me, I don't know. I, if I think about it, science like this is probably going to is not going to be really accessible to poor people, and so like we You're don't like, have nothing to really worry. Sorry. About. You need to get a new pet. You don't have the opportunity <laughs> to clone to, to bring this one back. You know, you're not even the right tax bracket. <laughs> the, the realities of your yeah, life. The same. I mean, this that is the future. This would be one of the privileges. Would yeah. you want to clone your pet if you could keep just getting the same one over and over and over again? I, I don't. Yeah, I would do it. Because I love Coco, but like also I kind of want a new, like I want a, a different type of breed. Try it up. Try it out. Or I mean, uh, switch it up. Thank you for your <laughs> wonderful recommendations here. <laughs> At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Do you think is this is cute or creepy? Let us know. But coming up next, how a neighbor dispute ended in a human rights violation in a country's Supreme Court. 
How did that even happen next? You know, you had a little bit of an issue with your neighbor. It wasn't even a big deal, but it made its way to the Supreme Court. That's what happened in Italy. And I want to know from you if you think this deserved to go to the Supreme Court. In so, Italy? It, yes. I didn't even know Italy had a Supreme Court. Um, Italy's top court <laughs> added this new human rights violation to the list. Um, that includes enslavement, torture, and forced starvation. Okay, are you ready? It is the sound of a toilet flushing at night. I mean, torture, torture. And they're hearing for that this all the couple time? who brought it all the way to the Supreme Court. Oh my God! Um, yes, it was a 19-year legal battle. Okay, this is wild. This really it makes me think. Like, I feel bad for people if this was something they were fighting for for 19 years. Why? Because you get so obsessed with being right, like move on with your life. No, how many sleepless nights did they have to go through? I don't. It feels how like many there should have been something that, that could all, be done. You're worried about them. I'm worried about the person who couldn't control their bladder. I was having bowel movements every five seconds. <laughs> like that's who I'm worried about. Why were they using the bathroom so damn much? <laughs> so this 19-year legal battle began when a couple living in an apartment near La Spezia complained that their neighbor's new toilet was keeping them awake with intolerable noises. So the lower court ruled against them. The couple took the case then to uh, you know another city, and it revealed why the toilet seemed so loud. The four brothers who owned that apartment had embedded the water tank in this nine-inch wall not far from the couple's headboard. Anyway, this continued to happen. The, the couple continued to struggle to sleep, which, yes, you're raising a good point, Ryan. Exactly. Once again, debate club. I mean, right I can't here. help it. I'm just really good at this. It seems like it. <laughs> you could have been a lawyer. You might want to. You could probably make well, a bit more money. This doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> the sl- sound of flushing aggravated by frequent night use, which, once again, why was it so frequent? Like, clearly, Com- there's some issues But there. it was so bad that it compromised their quality of life wow. and violated the right to the free exercise so of daily habits. Did they win this? Yes. The, the For this breach, the brothers would have to move the water tank, pay the couple... $565 for every year since the device was installed. Ooh. So $10,000 in total. That's but then great. The question That's is an expensive flush. Yeah. How much did it cost, though, for lawyers? Like, how much did this cost? Was it really worth it? You know it? what? Sometimes it doesn't matter. When you win out of, like, you know, just, you know, after going through all that and you get a win out of it, sometimes that's really all that matters. There's no amount of money that is just as, like, amazing when just by just winning something. I don't know. These folks all had to be very stubborn to stand their ground not to find some sort of solution to this flushing problem. Oh, my God. In all honesty, I was thinking about suing you for every mouth noise you made. You make so many mouth noises. And that is I'm, not every, fair. after every year of working with you, expect my lawyer to contact you immediately. Fine. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. What are we recording that, by the way? We gotta record that. So I can stop saying it. Oh, yes. Because I don't know if you all know, but that's a live version. I like it. It's you know, real no live, raw. It's like the talent to, we're listening to. Way to pull back the curtain, sir. I know. Yeah, you know, I love breaking the fourth wall. Well, there you yeah, go. let people in. Mm-hmm. They get to see behind the scenes, the mess, the good, all of it. That's exactly. good. That's good content right there. Speaking of good content, HBO Max's feature film Batgirl said that it casted Ivory Aquino as Alicia Yo. Uh, who's a bartender and the best friend of on-screen heroine G- Gordon. 
Uh, both Yo and Aquino are transgender, marking a historical step for LGBTQIA representation as the first live action feature film for the DC Comics franchise that will feature a trans character. Iconic! Yeah, that's huge. Even though not, it is the first in the feature film, but it's not the first when it comes to their television shows. Like, they had, uh, they had a trans actress on uh, Supergirl. Um, and she was incredible. And so I'm happy that we're seeing this and we're, um, it makes me even more excited. I've been seeing like, you know, fan sites release like what Batgirl looks like and all that good stuff. And it sounds, it looks exciting. You know, Batman and that whole world is like my least favorite, but I am excited for this. Yeah. Good job. And a big congrats, uh, to her on this huge achievement and to the DC, uh, comics universe for doing the right thing. That's our yes queen of the day. It's the bare minimum, but yeah, great. It's the beginning. You're giving them a cookie. Yeah, that's what yes queen is. (laughs) That's giving people cookies. Pretty much. (laughs) And that does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow, same time here on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Coming up tomorrow, we are talking about toxic work friendships. Oh. Oh. We're, we're drawing back the curtain. Here we go. Uh, and, of course, we've got Watch Trending This Hour, the T-Report, so much more. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And, honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris where he's talking about how to fight fair in a relationship and why you should be fighting. I love our, like, toxic relationships and how to fight. You know? You know. We that's got how some we things work. to get off our chest. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 